Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. As parents, we are aware of the important role we play in our child's or children's well-being. However, caring for our children also means caring for ourselves. When we're not able to, we can often feel as though we are trapped. And even though we may not be aware of them, it is very common to fall into thinking traps that keep us in distress. Our guest today, Rabia, will give us some insight on thinking traps and how you as parents can overcome this thinking style. Rabia Kermali Muscatwala is a psychology instructor and certified mindset coach who helps individuals with making necessary mindset shifts to help them achieve their goals. Rabia is an amazing mom to her 10-year-old boy and is currently pursuing a master's in applied positive psychology at UPenn. And she's even doing a really interesting capstone project on parenting. Thank you so much, Rabia, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Shaisa and Dimple. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Such a pleasure to be having this conversation. Now we're talking about thinking traps in parenting. Now, what exactly are thinking traps? I, maybe some of our listeners have are hearing this term for the first time. Sure. Uh, so what thinking traps are, they're patterns of thought, and they usually prevent us from seeing things as they really are. They're also known as cognitive distortions, and they are often deeply ingrained in us and unfortunately lean towards more negativity than positivity. Mm -hmm. And they influence our thoughts. And in turn, that influences our emotions and behavior. We start seeing and experiencing the world in a very tunnel vision and in a negative tunnel vision and it can make us jump to conclusions prevents us from seeing the bigger picture it can also kind of influence us to get into the spiral of negative thoughts um, you know we just keep on building upon it and we just keep spiraling down and getting more into a vortex of just not feeling or thinking um, that helps us in any way and affects our mood and how we experience the world so that's kind of important yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, I think it's what you brought up too, how it affects the way we see the world, right? So our perception becomes distorted when we are in a negative thinking trap. And, you know, with going through the day to day lives as parents, as we do, we can often get stuck in these parenting traps. Absolutely. What kinds of traps would you say are most common? In parents, so, so there a lot, uh, but I'll just focus on a few that seem to show up quite a bit for parents. Mm -hmm. uh, one is called maximizing and minimizing, and they show up in two different ways. So one way it shows up is we can maximize the negative and minimize the positive. So when we do that, we have this 
our own staunch views about what parenting looks like, right? And we focus on what we're not doing right. So we're maximizing that negative and minimizing what we are doing right. We kind of tend to not see that. And we're trying to fit into a mold maybe, and even maybe having our children fit into this mold, like keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like what mm -hmm. are we expected to do? And we only look at the lack um, in our lives or the lack of what we're doing, not really focusing on the positive. And of course, that's not beneficial for our own well-being in any way, because if we are having a challenging time, we think, okay, you know, that's it. I'm just not good enough or things are just not good and we're never going to get out of it. So you're minimizing the positive potential that could happen. And then the flip side of it is that you maximize the positive and you minimize the negative. And um, I think we've spoken before, uh, Shaisa, like about toxic positivity, mm -hmm. right? So that viewpoint of, oh, no matter how difficult things are, we have to be positive. And a lot of us do, you know, oh, I'm really sorry you're struggling right now, but at least you have this. So at least you are. And Brené Brown does a really good job. Mm -hmm. I think she has a little talk on, the concept of at least, right? We're discounting what the person is going through. And we don't wanna live in a world where it's just positive and we are being oblivious to the negative because that is also teaching us something and helps us go through something and having that acceptance, okay, things are not great right now um, is also important for our own well-being, right? Because that gives us the kind of mindset to say, okay, mm -hmm. things are not going well right now. What tools or what knowledge do I need to get through this? I know I will get through it. So that's the that's the positive, the good positivity coming out, um, and knowing that it's okay to go through th these things. So this is the way maximizing and minimizing kind of show up, um, especially in the parenting um, journeys that we have. Mm -hmm. um, another way is another thinking trap is the them thinking trap. Uh, we believe that other people or circumstances are the main problem, um, the main cause of all our problems, right? So suppose, I know this is a very famous example and Dr. Martin Seldman um, has said it in his book as well, but children don't get ready in time for school, right? And you're late and you are just blaming them. They never get ready on time. It's their fault. I got, you know, traffic and my boss is going to get so mad and everything's about external but we have a part to play as well so if we know our children are going to need extra time let's start a little bit earlier right um if we know that they need additional support and instead of rushing to get their lunches together maybe we need to do that a little bit beforehand and help support them to get them ready so if we want to overcome this them thinking we kind of have to think of like a pizza pie and their quarters so one quarter might be them or the other circumstances. And we have to reason out what are the other aspects. And one of them is us as well, right? Like our thoughts or our behaviors, how are we playing into this? Um, so that's another thinking trap. Fortune telling is one where we predict situations with only negative outcomes. So comparing, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that shows up for parents in one way when it comes to fortune telling. So if my child is not doing extracurricular activities every day of the week, you know, he's go he or she's going to get left behind. They're not going to do well in school. They're not going to, you know, have friends. They won't have social life. They'll be, you know, they will be 
I don't know what the thought is, but maybe not as not good enough in mm -hmm. our eyes, right? Mm -hmm. But this leads to a lot of anxiety for kids and for parents, right? They're just like, go, 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 go. And what are we predicting? We're predicting negative outcomes based on what? On what, yeah. On what, yeah. right? Like asking ourselves that, you know, and another thing that leads into this is overgeneralizing. When something difficult happens, you think it's going to happen over and over and over again. And, you know, we have that mindset about why does this always happen to me? Um, and this is really detrimental, not just for parents, but for kids as well, because they're watching us. Mm -hmm. Is It's a fixed mindset approach because we're saying there's no room for change. When we overgeneralizing, we're saying going to happen, going to happen again and again, the negativity. But we know with the growth mindset, challenges are stepping stones, right? Like they are way, if we persevere through things, we mm -hmm. are able to change the things that happen around us. It's just about looking at it from a different perspective, but overgeneralization kind of stops us from doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's amazing that we can get caught up in so many of these thinking traps. Now, if I just quickly summarize, you mentioned maximizing and minimizing. And then you mentioned the them mentality. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned uh, the third one was fortune telling, fortune telling, where we're predicting based on, on external circumstances. And then the last one was overgeneralizing. Now, with any of those, I mean, we're modeling to our children how to respond in different circumstances and situations in life. And so how do these thinking traps, when we get involved in them, affect our children and their behavior? So just like I mentioned, actually, the biggest thing is that they're watching us, right? Mm -hmm. And there was actually just recently, uh, there has been some uh, research that shows by the age of 11 or 12, children kind of adapt. By that time, they whatever we've kind of taught them, they, they've adapted it. Right. Mm -hmm. So to change, of course, you can change it because we know about neuroplasticity and all of that. But it's really hard because it becomes ingrained. So if you, you know, are I know another thinking trap is catastrophic thinking. Right. Or when we when we that's a byproduct of overgeneralizing when we think only bad things are going to happen. And our kids are taking that in and suddenly you might see your kids more anxious, uh, you know, and they will they will also have the them thinking trap that, oh, I. I did really, I studied really well for my test. It's a teacher who didn't mark it properly or my friends distracted me or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Like it won't be, you won't own up to your mistakes or maybe something that you didn't put in, you know, your hundred percent, but you're so used to just blaming others that your kids will get it too as well. Mm -hmm. It's that victim mentality, right? Absolutely. Thank you, Shasta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah where yeah. everything is external. Well, you know, um, it's your fault that I didn't do well on the test, or it's your fault that yeah. I don't get to go to soccer or go to my friend's house, or yeah. um, that I don't have this or that in the house, right? And um, rather than, um, yeah, no, I'm just laughing because I had, I had that today <laughs> so <laughs> I was just going to say when we say sorry for our kids being disappointed or yeah. you know not getting something when we apologize for it it yeah. automatically comes to us right oh my it's because it's my parents fault 
Yes. And so that's why our yeah. language also is really important, right? Like, is, you know, yeah. I, I'm sorry you're feeling this way, but not yeah. I'm sorry that this, you know, uh, this happened, or I'm sorry that I didn't do enough. Or yeah. also owning up is um, part of I think getting them to think. Uh, a little bit during the growth mindset kind of realm. For sure, yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, I think a lot, like it can be really uh, huge events that trigger this, right? But there can also be very subtle things that yeah. that happen, right? Yeah. Like, um, I mean, like the example I'm talking about today, it's the last day before spring break. So um, I all had a, had a movie at school, right? And she didn't tell me that she was allowed to bring snacks until like nine o'clock last night. And so then she expected me to go and, you know, get something in the morning and take it with her. And if I don't, it's my fault because I didn't bring it for her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than changing that scenario and being like, well, you know, what could you have done? You know, maybe after school, you could have told me so we mm -hmm. could have planned around this and mm -hmm. enabling her to know that she can be more in control rather than being the victim around it. Right. Absolutely. So I think there's a lot of um, as parents, too, there's a lot of triggers that occur that can um, impact our thinking and these traps that we, we may be in. And some of them um, may even have to deal with how we were raised and our upbringing and some of the vocabulary or language, I guess, that we have heard growing up. What would you say some of the triggers are that put us into these traps? So what you said about our own upbringing as well, sometimes we have core beliefs that we, you know, there are triggers within us growing up, being raised in a certain way, different types of parenting, for sure. And that can only come is when you self-reflect, right? So those are harder to pinpoint in just a conversation like this, but but therapy or journaling sometimes, what is it? But what the, what the research has showed us is that mm -hmm. usually the three things that kind of trigger uh, thinking traps. One is ambiguity. Like, so if you don't know, if you don't have enough information that causes us to just assume things, to jump to conclusions. So asking for information, if things are not very clear, right? Or if things, so suppose if you get a call back uh, from the doctor's office and you've just had some tests done, your mind usually would be like, oh my gosh, it's something really bad. Otherwise they mm. wouldn't have called, you know, this, and you start stressing and you just, so easier way. I know the doctor's office don't always pick up the phone, but just like, you know, can you tell me um, when you book an appointment is, is just like, can you give me a little bit more information? And if they can't, instead of, you know, maximizing the negative, like we said, and minimizing the positive, you can also say, you know, they're just doing their job, the test results are back, I have to come in. So I'm sure, you know, things will be okay. And even if they're not, it's something that I can manage. So mm -hmm. know that your thinking traps can be triggered when we don't have enough information, right? Mm -hmm. That's one. The second one is time pressure. When we want to do so much in a day and in a week, we are just go, 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 go. Mm. And we are so not conscious of what's happening around us. Uh, so, you know, overgeneralizing, like when we have an inter a quick interaction with somebody and they're like, you know what, they're, they're, they're always so negative, you know, they never have my back. Is that really true? Or is it that you are so, you know, 
rushing from one task to the next that you don't have time to reflect mm -hmm. on your interactions or on on situations so you know that's something to reflect about and also is everything urgent in your life like what is it that you can categorize to time sensitive uh, you know, something that's part of your routine to kind of tone down the panic and the rush that we, we kind of go through. So mm -hmm. that is another place that uh, thinking traps happen. And the last one, which I'm sure won't come as a surprise, but is depletion, right? So when we are exhausted, when we are fatigued uh, and we don't have time uh, to self-care, and I know, I know self-care has become a buzzword, but it means different things for different people, right? So physical health, we know we need exercise, we need good nutrition, uh, good night's sleep. Um, otherwise, we're not going to perform well. In the same way, the mental with mental health, if your energy bank, or you know, when when you have no enjoyment in your life, or no time to just be and relax, mm -hmm. you are going to be very much in, in that mindset of being more negative. So having more thinking yeah. traps. So these are three things that usually kind of trigger us. Mm -hmm. You know what, that it's, it seems like when you talk about these triggers, it comes down to when we are stressed, we are more yeah. prone to these thinking traps and these triggers. And of course we would be because when we're stressed, our bodies are not in this logical like our brains are not in this logical place where we can make the best decisions we tend to be more biased we are often not able to reflect on our own behavior in a logical way and I love what you said about asking ourselves is this really true mm -hmm. and I know Byron Katie does this work where yeah. she has the four questions and I find that it's so important to teach our children as well to ask themselves, is this really true? Because sometimes we have a tendency to say, oh, you never do this for me, yeah. or you always do that, right? Again, it's that overgeneralization yeah. and just making, uh, making circumstances larger than they are sometimes. And I find what happens as parents and then as children is we become more critical. And criticism becomes a part of our way of being. Mm -hmm. and pes pes we're more pessimistic, Mystic. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very interesting mm -hmm. to become aware of when we're in these thinking traps. So how can a parent even become aware that they're in a thinking trap? So before I answer that, Dimple, I just want to speak to one thing that you said about being more pessimistic now, you know, research and studies have shown that some people are just born more pessimistic right mm -hmm. than others they just have that viewpoint but that doesn't mean that you can't you know change the way you think in the sense you might your automatic would be to think you know oh this isn't good but you're saying oh wait a minute you know that might be something that I do too much like having that awareness right so yes. And then trying to say, okay, what is the good in this moment? What is something that I'm looking forward to today? So changing the narrative is one way where we can become more optimistic or more realistic as well. Like, you know, not everything is super yeah. wonderful, but you know, like there are, but there's something that you must be looking forward to today, or, you know, it could even be just like a coffee 
that you're looking forward to, but find it, hunt for the good, right? So that's one way of um, moving. But the steps, I think uh, exactly, again, what you just said, knowing about thinking traps. So now you know these are a few or doing your own research and then, and then having a little reminder, it could be in your journal, it could be a mood diary, it could be a little bit of a, you know, a post-it on your wall where you work uh, or anywhere where you spend time. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, did I do any of these today? Or when you're going through that spiral, right? That downward spiral, mm. having, imagining a stop sign. That's what I tell my clients as well. Like imagine a big red, like stop. When you see yourself having these consistent thoughts, that mm -hmm. might be saying, oh, you know, this didn't go well today and this didn't go well today. And you're like, well, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And having that stop sign is, is a really good way to stop that pattern. And, you know, even if mentally we're not aware of them, sometimes our physical reactions yeah. show us, right? That mm -hmm. something's not right. Like if you have constant stomach aches, if you're always tired, right? It could be you're, you're sweating a lot. What is it in that? What are your thoughts that's causing these emotions to show up right so you can that's an also another way to check in what you're thinking about mm -hmm. um another way is acknowledging that sometimes life can be difficult i know we've all been through various lockdowns and you know fears in the past couple of years and very very difficult time and sometimes life is just about phases right like sometimes we have good sometimes difficult mm -hmm. um they're not necessarily bad but that's just life and we can't control everything but we can change the way we respond mm -hmm. that's what's in our hands right so knowing that that okay you know something's going wrong I can't control it but I will make the best of it or I will change the way I think about it so if I give you an example so uh, my son has anaphylactic allergies, quite a few. And if, and I know that our journey is quite different than other parents who don't have children with life altering diagnoses. But if I just concentrate on that and that, oh my gosh, you know, he can't have anything instead of kind of like, I requested this podcast to be a little bit later today because yeah. there's pizza day at school and I wanted my son to partake in it. And that meant that I baked the pizza at home and I dropped it off. If I had was saying, oh, it's so bad that he can't have what other people are having, or that's, you know, it's so unfortunate. Why does this happen to me and, or him? Then really, I'm not helping anybody. But on the contrary, I was just like, okay, let's make the best of the situation. At least he can have the pizza uh, that I can bake at home. So I know, I know it's different, but that's my journey. And um, that's, that's how, that's how I'm going to respond to these challenges is okay. Yeah, we're different, but that's okay. And mm -hmm. then also playing devil's advocate with yourself, right? So when, when you say, um, you know, this sucks, or this is not good, or, but is that an opinion? Or is that a fact? Mm -hmm. So then the event usually is neutral. It's how we look at it right? Like you could look at it positively and I could look at it negatively. So that's your opinion. So that's another way of kind of stopping that thinking trap. And, and I know this one's the hardest, even though it may sound the simplest, but talking to yourself as you would to a friend, right? Like so much, um, you know, my signature strength is kindness. So I, I always am there for other people, but one of the ways that kindness kind of is underused is because we don't use it for ourselves. 
right? So talking to yourself as you would talk to your friend, like, I believe in you, or, you know, we will get through this together. That's one way that we can mitigate the self-doubt or the fear that kind of kicks in. And, and always reminding ourselves, we've been through difficult things in the past, and we've survived. Take the past two years, for example. So instead of overgeneralizing, you know, this is one way, these are a few ways of kind of mitigating that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I love how you brought up the the somatic responses as well that we feel within our body, because I often think that that gives us a huge clue into what is happening in our minds. And, you know, like I said, in the introduction, we all feel as though we are trapped at some point or another, or, um, you know, not being able to get out of some sort of cage. And um, we're not aware of them, right? And that is what keeps us in this state of distress. And when we are in this distress, we will somatically have the symptoms to show it. And really looking at that, I think, is one of the biggest indicators that we may be in this thinking trap. Now, one thing that we haven't talked about um, that I wanted to talk a little bit about was we've talked a lot about cognitive thinking traps Mm -hmm. and how it affects our behavior, but not so much the actions Mm -hmm. that come about when we are in this thinking trap. So, what are some examples of actions we may see ourselves or we may see others do when they are in these thinking traps? So I think the first thing that comes is the lack of actions, right? Mm-hmm. So when we are really worried, when we're really anxious, we don't want to do things or don't want to, you know, an example that comes to mind is even stepping out of outside the house, right? When we're really worried, we're just so fatigued and tired and, you know, think the bad is going to happen that we don't take action. Mm. Uh, that's one thing for sure that yes. happens. And another way is, is stretching ourselves beyond limit, right? Mm-hmm. So when we are, um, suppose when we're forecasting, right? When we think um, something's going to happen, we over-prepare. Right. So in case like if suppose if you are you have a backpack that you have every day. Right. And you think 10 things are going to happen, which they won't. Right. Like bad things. So you're adding in everything and you're carrying it with you every day. So it's not just it could be the physical uh, kind of preparation you do, but it's the mental part of it that really bogs you down. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think those are such great examples. And I also think it also manifests itself in um, some of the actions we may have towards others or to our own children as well, and trigger some of those responses that we may not, um, that we may regret later, right? Or that we may not be in. Anger. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the emotions that creep up. And sometimes we have them and we don't know why. So that also just self-reflecting awareness and seeing, okay, where is this coming from? Is this a thinking trap or is it, I'm, what is it, right? Like, am I overreacting? Is it a fact? Is it an opinion, right? So checking in with yourself, where is this coming from? And I agree with you, Shaisa, we mm-hmm. totally regret it, but, and, I, and we know that because we live in an unconditional environment, you know, we will be forgiven, but yes. what, what are our children learning, 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. And how it affects them um, is, is a huge takeaway for sure. We talked so much about thinking traps and steps to overcome them and how to become aware of them. I just want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your capstone project on parenting. We mentioned mm-hmm. this in our introduction, but I wanted to give you the chance to speak to our, our listeners a little bit more on what you're doing with your capstone project. Sure. Thank you. Um, so I am doing it on parenting and more specifically, um, helping parents who have children with life-altering diagnoses. Like when we get those diagnoses, what's happened is that a lot of parents think it's a life-ending one. And in a way, the life that you imagined you thought you would have with your children or your child does end. And you kind of, some people spiral and some people go through that depression and which is, it's because it's a trauma. Some of these diagnoses are really tough ones. So what I'm trying to do with my capstone, I'm working with Dr. Ryan Nemec, who's at VS Strengths, and we are looking at what strengths do parents need to have to have flourishing and thriving lives so that their children can have it too, because obviously Mm -hmm. we know it comes down quite a bit. So we're doing a research study, sorry, doing a research study that Uh, looks at what strengths parents have with children who don't have these diagnoses and then with parents who do. And what is it we need to cultivate? What is it that's missing? So, you know, I'm assuming right now that hope might be low on the scale. So based on that, trying to come up with interventions or communities uh, that build hope in these uh, parents. And I'm looking at storytelling how is it that we can learn from each other? A lot of us don't have villages, right? Be it through, yeah. you know, because we've immigrated to a country because, you know, our parents live so far away, um, but we don't have the supporting village. So how, and especially when you have a child who has, um, you know, something going on, it's more like you feel alone. You more, the more you feel lonely and we are social creatures. We need that support system, especially in difficult times. So how is it we can build a community or, you know, a peer support group for, for parents who are struggling? So that's kind of what I'm working towards for my graduating capstone. That is beautiful. That is beautiful, Rabia. And, you know, it is so imperative that all parents have some sort of community and village, and we encourage all of our listeners and moms to to invest in that and seek that out because when you are seeking it, it will find you and make that extra effort to be able to build that community for yourself. Because I know even for myself, it's made such a difference in my world to have women that support me and and empower me and lift me up. And especially when parents are struggling with something that their child is going through, it can feel so lonely, but knowing that other people are also going through that is, is, is a gift in itself. Just having that, uh, that, you know, support there. So I think your work is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. And where can our listeners find you if they want to get hold of you? So I am on Instagram, but because of school, I'm, I've not really been active, but I do answer messages. So Rabia Karmali 
is uh, my Instagram handle. And if anybody wants to send me an email, it's luminarymindsetcoaching at gmail.com. Be happy to chat with you or help you out in any way. But I wanted to thank you, Shaista and Dimple, one, for having me today, and second, for building this village. Because, you know, even what you're doing, villages look very different than what they were before, but they're still, you know, support systems like your Facebook group or your Instagram, or, you know, you are empowering children by empowering their parents, right? And something that I truly believe in. So thank you for what you do. Really appreciate it. Aww, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank thank you, you Rabia. So you're, you're amazing. It was such an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. We would love to have you back to speak more about your mothering journey and more about your work once you are further along in it. And uh, thank you to our listeners for listening today. Check out the show notes. All of Rabia's contact information will be in there. And we will talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.